Amen. Matthew chapter 5, beginning to read from verse 1 through to verse 12. Amen. Seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you, and persecute you, and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice, and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And just verse 4, if you go back just to that verse, and we'll just read that verse together. If you have your Bibles, just let's read that one verse together. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Praise the Lord. Amen. Father, we just pray just to bless the reading of your word tonight, Lord, for your help and for your anointing, Lord, as we gather around your word, that you would speak to us afresh, Lord, that you would anoint us and give us ears to hear, bring the truth of these wonderful verses to our hearts, make them so real to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're just reminded again that word blessed uh, and the start of each of these verses, blessed are they that mourn means to be enlarged or the enlargement of the spirit of the individual or to bring us into a place of spiritual ecstasy or greatness. And so in this verse here that's been quoted many times, most likely you'll have heard it quoted at at funerals, and uh, rightly so. It just tells us there in verse 4, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And just there's two parts of this tonight that we're going to look at. It's very much what we would identify with the natural, those that mourn, and also in the spiritual. And the mourn is simply to sorrow over the death of a loved one or someone close to us. And we know that in this world we will all experience the death of someone who's close to us because the Bible tells us in Romans 5 and 12, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. I just looked on the Google count today and currently... We have a population in the world of 7,714,576,923 people. And every single one of those people, if the Lord tarries, all will die. That's the reality. The Bible says, by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. So death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. In this truth and understanding that death would come and visit every one of us and we will leave loved ones behind, we'll experience the death of a loved one and that parting. In this truth, 
we'll experience the deep emotional experience of mourning or grief or sorrow or separation. Those that mourn the effects of a loved one parting was in particular noted by the Lord Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry and in particular his close friend Lazarus. If you turn to John chapter 11, we see here Christ fully as God and fully man identifying with what it would be to grieve or to sorrow. And in John 11, you know the story of Lazarus and Mary and Martha and the death of Lazarus, but I just want to bring us in particular to this place where the Lord identified with us in our grief and in our sorrow. In John 11:33, it says, When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, it says he, was, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. In verse 34 it says, And Jesus said, Where have you led him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. And then in verse 35, those two words, it tells us that God Almighty, fully in flesh and human form, the Bible tells us that Jesus wept. He identified with the loss of a loved one. He understood their tears. He experienced what it was to grieve. We thank God that at that moment and very shortly after, there was the glorious resurrection of Lazarus. But it shows us that Christ is identified with everything that we will experience in this life. In verse 36, it says, Then said the Jews, Behold, how he loved him. We see here just in the whole function, all the whole purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ, that as Hebrews 4 and 15 tells us, that he is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He knows our weaknesses. He knows what it is to go through trial and to go through sorrow. In Hebrews 2 and 14, and this is the purpose of why Jesus came. And, and we know that that death passed upon all man because of sin. But through this life and through the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Hebrews 2 and 14, it says that through his death, he would destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. Amen. That is the glorious truth that we can hold to tonight. And if you turn over into 1 Corinthians 15, and this is where I just want to move. I know I'm moving over these verses just to get to the point, but there are many other verses to back this. But you know, for those that die in Christ, thank God that that's not the end. Thank God we have a hope. This is called the blessed hope that the church has. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 54, it says these words, that death, because of the Lord Jesus Christ, is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, this is our hope. This is how we are comforted through God's word. Oh, death, where is thy sting? And we can stand at the graves of our loved ones that have died in Christ and say, Oh grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. And verse 57 says, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh grave, where is thy victory? 
in the death and the resurrection of Christ, we thank God that death is swallowed up in victory. What a great truth that we have at the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is the resurrection of the dead. It is the blessed hope of the church of Jesus Christ. There is no other faith or religion or any other cult or any other gathering in this planet tonight that has the hope that we have in this room. This is the great hope that we have, the great resurrection of all those that die in Christ, resurrected to be with Christ, to be with each other, all those that are saved forever. Those that are not in Christ, those that die without Christ, have no hope. They have no hope. But to die in Christ, we have a hope beyond the grave. You know, a couple have said just a few weeks ago when we were talking about the second coming of the Lord and looking at the sixth seal and just asking the question about my loved one has died and has gone to heaven because Jesus said to the thief that's on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. The Bible tells us that when Christ comes, the dead in Christ rise. How does all that work? Well, Paul says, behold, I show you a mystery. And in part of this, it's a mystery, but he's also revealed some things to us. And I just want to point out a wee verse on the way through here in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 12, because I believe once a believer dies, immediately they're present with the Lord. At the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says he comes with 10,000 of his saints, the dead in Christ rise first. How does all that work? I believe in the resurrection of a, an immortal, incorruptible body. The Spirit returns to the Lord, and then that's how we're known. We're going to know each other in heaven. Amen. Praise the Lord. At least John's looking forward to it. <laughs> we're going to know each other for who we are. We're going to be like him. We're going to be like him in resurrected form. A resurrected body, it's something that we know very little about, but we will have a resurrected, incorruptible, immortal body. And we'll be known. And here it says in 1 Corinthians 13 and 12, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even also as I am known. We're going to know each other in heaven. We're going to be with each other forever with the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? Would you say amen if you're looking forward? Praise the Lord. We're going to be with each other, but more importantly, we're going to be with Christ. And it's going to be forever. And we'll be known in a form that we know very little about. It's We're looking through a glass darkly, but it's an incorruptible, it's an immortal, resurrected body. What a day it's going to be. When Jesus, we're going to see. In 1 Thessalonians and chapter 4, we read in verse 13, just reading through to verse 18, because blessed are they which mourn, for they shall be comforted is a promise. It's a promise in God's word. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 13, it says, but I would have... I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep or those that have died, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Brothers and sisters, if you're saved tonight, we have the blessed hope. 
we have the blessed hope. This is this is the one of the great truths of the Christian faith. We are here a short time. Our lives are but a vapor of air. We are here for a very short time. We are born and we are appointed to die. God knows our beginning. God knows our end. And when we come to Christ and we're born again of the Spirit, we have a hope that goes beyond the grave, goes beyond this scene of time. And this is the blessed hope of the church. For this we say unto you, sorry, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, do you believe that? Even so them also which sleep in Christ are dead in Christ will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. In verse 16, and I believe this could happen at any moment. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And here is the hope and the dead in Christ shall rise first. What a hope. What a hope we have. What a comfort we have we find in God's word. Then we which are alive and remain shall instantly be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. There is going to be a meeting in the air. There really is. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. In verse 18, it says, Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. How are we comforted? We're comforted from God's word. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. What a truth. What we can hold on to in times of great grief and great sorrow is God's word. What hope we have. We don't sorrow like the world that have no hope. You know, I was thinking today, I know it won't make me mention it, but the day that Andy and Ruth, a buried dawn joy, should home to be with the Lord. Remember the stood in our barn, and Andy pulled the guitar out, and I think the song was, I will bless the Lord at all times. How is that possible? Except there's a hope, a blessed hope, beyond the natural realm and the understanding of men, that the Comforter will give a song in the midst of great trial and sorrow. The Comforter has come. We sang it tonight. How are we comforted? How are we, how are we, how is the ministry of the Word and the person of Jesus Christ and all that He means to us? How is it brought to us? Jesus tells us in John 14 and verse 16, if you turn there, John 14 and 16. Jesus said these words, and I will pray, John 14, 16, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. And Jesus said these words, I 
will not leave you comfortless. Then he said these words, I will come to you individual. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to bring the person of Christ and the presence of Christ and all the blessings of Christ and minister them to us and in us to make it known to us by the Holy Spirit. You know, I was looking in the dictionary uh, just for the meaning of the word mourn. And when I went through that word mourn, then I seen a little thing just at the bottom. I didn't know this, but I asked Luke and Luke was able to confirm this. There is a dove called the morning dove, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, the morning dove. And it is known that for that because of its unique cooing sound, the sound it makes. And one person said, it's so comforting. It's unique to this particular dove. Can I tell you, brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit is unique and bringing the ministry and the presence of Jesus to the heart of every individual believer. There's only him that can cheer our hearts and bring the reality of Christ to us. He is the Holy Spirit, the one that will comfort us in the times of great sorrow. We will have sorrow, but we also have hope. And the Holy Spirit is unique in his ability to comfort all those that mourn. He uniquely brings the presence and the word of God to all those that mourn in Zion. We can say, the comforter has come. That's our hope tonight, brothers and sisters. There is a mourning. And in that natural sense of loss and grief, we thank God that there is the everlasting arms of God and the presence of Jesus and the ministry of the Holy Spirit that comes to us to bring the reality of this great hope and to know the comfort of Almighty God. What a Savior we have. What a promise we have. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall, they shall, it's a promise, they shall be comforted. There's also a mourning. There's not only that mourning and that natural, but there's also the mourning and the spiritual. And we'll find this through the Scripture. We find it in Nehemiah chapter 1. If you go back, we see here that there was a man that mourned over the condition of his city. That was Jerusalem. He was concerned. There was a spiritual mourning. He was concerned because his city was in ruin. He was concerned, and we can be concerned that our, that our nation is, is in a mess, that, that our nation is crumbling, that our nation is being turned into hell because they've forsaken the Lord. And so there's another sense of mourning here in Nehemiah 1 and 2. When he inquired, it says that Hanani, one of my brethren, came he and certain men of Judah, and I asked him concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. The gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass, when I heard these words, Nehemiah said, I sat down and I wept. And what did he do? He mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. 
There, there's, there's circumstances that in our lives, this is not a conflict with the joy that we have in our salvation, that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. This is not a conflict, but this is a time when we come to mourn or grieve over the state of perhaps our nation, perhaps a family, or perhaps even a loved one. That we grieve or we sorrow or we mourn over the condition that sin has left them in. And I believe there's a, there is a sense in this hour that, that we should mourn over the condition of our nation and bring that to the place of prayer. Nehemiah was concerned. When he inquired, he seen that there was great affliction, reproach. Walls were down and broken and gates were burned with fire. And when he heard these things, he mourned certain days. He, he went to prayer. He went to intercession. He went to call upon the name of the Lord. They remember the verse, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. The Comforter comes. When you move through the, the book of Nehemiah, we see that God answered his cry and his prayer. When you get to chapter 8, if you turn over to it, we see that the word of the Lord comes to pass. Those that mourn shall be comforted. But Nehemiah chapter 8 and it tells us there, when there's the restoration that's coming in the building of the walls, in verse 9, it says that Nehemiah, which is the Tereshtah, and Ezra, the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, Send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto the Lord. Neither be ye sorry. Then what does he say? For the joy of the Lord is your strength. He turned the period of mourning when Nehemiah identified himself with the condition of the city of Jerusalem and wept and prayed and sought the Lord. The Lord responded, and now we see there's a day of turning when God turns the whole thing around. And you can say that the joy of the Lord is our strength. The comforter comes. God hears and answers prayer. True intercession is coming to that place when we see the condition of, and especially at this time, brothers and sisters, our nation is in turmoil. It is in turmoil, and it, I tell you why it's in turmoil. It has little to do with Brexit, but it's more to do with that this nation has forgot God. That's what it's. That's why it's in the state it's in. That is why it has turned away from the book which it was built upon, and today that vacuum is being filled with every demonic spirit. And the nation is being shaken. I believe God is judging the nation. And the people of God that are in the nation, we have a responsibility like Nehemiah to identify and to weep and mourn for the nation. And fast and pray and seek the Lord. Because why? Blessed are they that mourn. For they shall be comforted. God will come. In Isaiah 61, it is the greatest revelation probably in all of Scripture concerning the ministry of the gospel that Christ would bring 
that Jesus himself would be. Jesus quoted directly from Isaiah 61 at the beginning of his earthly ministry. And Isaiah 700 years before the Lord Jesus Christ was born of a virgin through the Spirit of God brings us this great truth of what this gospel is all about. Isaiah 61 and verse 1, if you're there, and I'm sure you know these verses well, but blessed are they that do mourn, for they shall be comforted. There's an exchange here. There's a transformation that takes place. There's a wonderful truth when God comes, when the gospel comes, when the ministry of the Spirit comes, when Jesus breaks through, when the gospel is proclaimed and men respond. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to preach, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to, to comfort all that mourn. Blessed are they that do mourn, for they shall be comforted. But here's what happens. What happens? To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy, what does it say? For mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. This is the wonderful truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The spirit of the Lord, the anointing to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, verse 3, to give unto them beauty for ashes. Do you know, in the Old Testament, you'll find many times throughout the Old Testament, you'll find it with Jonah. When Jonah came and brought the, the gospel eventually to that great city of Nineveh, in Jonah 3 and 6, it says, The word of the Lord came unto the king of Nineveh. He arose from his throne. You know, God was going to destroy that city. He laid his robe from him. There was a booting off of himself. And he covered himself with sackcloth. And what did he do? He sat in ashes. There's this thought that runs through that men would afflict themselves, that they would make themselves low in order that they would acknowledge it's about humbling ourselves before the Almighty God. In Esther's day, you remember the story there. Esther chapter 4 and verse 1. We know that Haman had a plan and a purpose. It was a, it was a plan of the devil himself to destroy and exterminate all the Jews. And when Mordecai, this righteous man, this man of God, heard everything of what Haman was about to do in Ezra 4 and 1, it says, when Mordecai perceived all that was done, Mordecai rent his clothes, he put on sackcloth with ashes, and went out into the midst of the city, and he cried with a loud and a bitter cry. With the whole aspect of this, give them beauty for ashes. This was all to do with the head. It was all to do with that part of the head, the, 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 the mitre that would go on the head. And so when they would take off the head, they would have ashes over their head, and they would mourn and they would weep. 
In 2 Samuel 13 and 19, we see that Tamar, if you look at that verse, when she was driven out after this awful sin that had been committed against her, and in Tamar, 2 Samuel 13 and 19, Tamar put ashes upon her head and rent her garment of diverse colors that was on her and laid her hand on her head and went on crying. There was a time of affliction. There was a time of being brought low. There was a time of humbling oneself. And the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord, the anointing of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the power of the gospel, it was to appoint unto them the morning psalm to give them beauty for ashes. And so that beauty was It was a beautiful head garment that was put upon their head. No longer were they covered in ashes and in sackcloth, but now there was a glorious exchange that would take place, that they would put this beautiful headgear on, and no longer would they mourn. But there was the oil of joy that was poured upon them for mourning. And this wonderful type again of the Holy Spirit is found as as there was the exchange of that which is ashes to this beautiful head garment and then the oil that was poured on. If you turn to Psalm, Psalm 23 and verse 5, we see here in this great psalm, we, we know it so well, but again it's this, this thought, blessed are they that do mourn. For they shall be comforted. And it's all wonderfully tied together. But in Psalm chapter 23, we'll read it. Just if we could read this psalm from the the beginning. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He anointeth my head with oil and my cup, it runs over. Friends, he not only wants to fill us, but he wants us to be running over. He not only wants to fill us, but he wants us to be running over. He anointeth our head with oil. We need the oil. We need the oil to flow. And note again that it flows on the head. It flows on the head. Brothers and sisters, if there is ever a day that believers needed the anointing to flow, he's our head, but the flow on each individual head because the great battles that are taking place in the mind, we need the oil. The Holy Spirit will not speak of himself. He will always speak of him. And he'll bring the word of God, which we need in these days. The word of God. We need to know God's word. Thou anointest. Look where it's at, friends. In Psalm 23 and verse 5. Thou preparest a table before me. Where is the table prepared? 
in the presence in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest. See, even in the midst of it, think of that we church at the seat of Satan in Pergamos, right under the seat of Satan, there was a church triumphant, even though the devil was running rampant, and the martyr, the faithful martyr of the Lord, went home to be with the Lord. We thank God that even in the midst of that, at Satan's seat, there was a church triumphant. Even in the presence of mine enemies is what he'll do. He'll anoint my head with oil. My cup is running over. In Psalm 45, Psalm 45 and verse 7, it says, Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. It's the oil of gladness. The oil of gladness. Brothers and sisters, are you glad? Are you glad you're saved? Are you glad are you glad you got breath in your lungs tonight? Are you glad you're here? Maybe a few aches and pains, but we're here, praise the Lord. We're here tonight by the grace of God. Are you glad tonight you've got all your faculties? Are you glad tonight that you're walking with Jesus? Are you glad you've got a roof over your head? Did you have a dinner before you came out? Praise the Lord. (laughs) We were fed before we came out. We're blessed as a people. We're blessed as a people. We have so much to be glad for. He saved us. He's healed us. He's delivered us. He's kept us. He's provided for us. He's blessed us. Forget not all his benefits. Because he's a good God. Are you glad? Are you glad tonight? He's anointed thee with the oil of gladness. And then, friends, it says these words. You see, this is what the oil does. This is what the Holy Spirit will do. He gives us the garment of praise for the spirit, a spirit of heaviness. And friends, I believe there's an awful lot of the spirit of heaviness. There's an awful lot of spirit of heaviness. God wants to take the heaviness. Do you know what I'm talking about? Heaviness. Do you know what I'm saying? The spirit of heaviness. He wants to give us. What does he want to give us for the spirit of heaviness? The garments of praise. They're garments. Think about it. The Lord has garments for us tonight. He wants us to take off the garments of mourning and the spirit of heaviness. And put on the garments of praise. Do you know the devil hates praise? Do you know the devil hates praise? You know religious people hate praise too? I'm not trying to offend anyone, but see religious people, they hate people that praise the Lord. God's not looking for a form. He's not looking for us to have it all, the T's crossed, the I's dotted, everything in a box. God's looking for a people that will worship him in spirit. We are talking about it earlier. In spirit and in truth. God's give us the garments of praise through salvation for the spirit of heaviness. There's an exchange of garments. The devil does hate praise. He hates praise. You know, it is the Lord that gives us the song in the night. 
the Lord gives us the song, songs of deliverance, songs of victory. It is the Lord and the Holy Spirit that brings the song, that song that brings us through the darkest of night. It is the garments of praise. Brothers and sisters, this is not about just trying to make something happen, but I do believe that there is a sacrifice of praise. I believe that there is even in the toughest of times and not so much how we feel. If we all go by how we feel, every man and woman included, if we go by how we feel, we will not do most of what we do. But if we go by faith and we know that we're coming not to worship a man or a system or a denomination or a church or any of those things, but the gathering of the people are under him tonight and we're here to praise him. It's the garments of praise. What happens is the spirit of heaviness. It's like a shackle. It's like a shackle. It's like an old damp black blanket being thrown over you. It's like a cloud that's hanging over your mind. It's like, I'm trying to express it. I hope I'm, hopefully I'm getting somewhere with it. But it's, it's, there might be many different circumstances or things that people are going through. But you know, it all comes down really to the one thing. There is this shackle and there's this oppressive feeling that's being put upon God's people in the spirit of the age in which we're living in. But friends, we've got a blessed hope. We have a hope. That world doesn't have that hope. The enemy wants to try and put the light out. He wants to try and dumb it all down. He wants to try and put us in our place. Brothers and sisters, tonight we thank God that Jesus put him in his place. Amen. And we have a liberty to praise the Lord. It's the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Praise him. Praise him for all that he's done. Praise him for who he is. Praise him and lift up his wonderful name. Praise him for the precious blood. Praise him for his death and his resurrection. Praise him that he's coming again. Praise him for all the answers to prayers. God answered any of your prayers. Oh boy. We're, we're actually weighed down with blessings. If the we hymn says, count your many blessings. See what God has done. We'll surprise you when you see what he's done in your life. When you begin to count them. There are too many, isn't there? We actually begin to lose count of the blessings of the Lord that are upon us. The garment of praise. The garment of praise. He inhabits the praises of his people. He comes to a people. We're not just trying to make a noise. We're not praying to a wall. We're not praying to a wooden post. We're not praying to a rock. And for those that have traveled and seen, you know, I believe that probably one of the darkest, most miserable, hellish places on earth that I've been personally, Trevor was there and Judith was there and others were there, was in the midst of Kathmandu and those public cremations of those dear people along that river, the stench, the smoke, and just a continual conveyor belt of people being cremated and the families all gathered around and the wailing, the hopelessness, the darkness, the smell, the the sense of death and hell, the devil, it was like a, the whole atmosphere was filled 
and charged with the presence of Satan himself. No hope. Friends, what a hope we have tonight. What a hope we have. The garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And the Comforter has come. He's come. It's a promise. It's a promise. Brothers and sisters, I wonder, could we pray tonight? And in prayer, could we praise? As part of our worship, in our prayer, could we thank him? Could we praise him? Could we acknowledge him? And could we pray for many at this time where there's a great spirit of heaviness that we could lift up our brothers and sisters in this wee fellowship and others that we know that need that spirit of heaviness just to be lifted. And as we begin to praise, as we begin to lift them up, as we put on, have you got your garments to praise on tonight? Have you got your garments on? He's given you a garment to praise. You know that, don't you? You already have a garment to praise. It's whether or not you're going to use it. We put that garment to praise on. Begin to thank the Lord for all that he's done in our lives. I believe we need to pray for the body tonight. I believe we need to pray for one another. I believe we need to pray for our brothers and sisters. Blessed are they that mourn. They will and they shall be comforted. Let's pray together tonight. Amen. Let's seek the Lord for a time. Amen. I encourage you, saints, tonight just to begin to thank the Lord. If it's just thanking him for saving you, you know that's just a great place to start. Just to thank him for, for saving you, to praise him for it. And let's just seek the Lord tonight in Jesus' name. Just for a few moments. Amen.